Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. The snow reminds us of how beautiful your creation is. Uh, and Lord, you reflect, the, the creation reflects your glory. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to do the same, to reflect your glory in every moment of our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, we've been going through the confession of faith over the past several months. And again, the, the value of a confession. Uh, does any, How many people here are familiar with the New Testament churches of Christ? Or Church of Christ, just generically. Church of Christ. Anybody know what their motto is? No creed but Christ. Pretty close. <laughs> no creed but Christ. Now, that sounds like a beautiful thing, right? Because creeds are divisive. Theology is stuff that divides people from one another. So, can we say that the churches of Christ truly have no creed but Christ? What do they believe about baptism? They believe you must be baptized by immersion, and depending on how tight they are in, in sort of traditional Church of Christ theology, you must be baptized by immersion in a Church of Christ congregation. Uh, well, that's a creed. That's a theological statement. It's a statement about baptism, uh, about the proper mode of baptism, about what baptism means. It's a creed. Uh, it's a theology of baptism. And so, again, uh, is there a theology of church government? Absolutely. Each congregation is its own independent congregation. There is no broader overseeing community, no broader overseeing body. That's a creed. That's a theological statement about what the scripture teaches regarding the makeup of churches uh, in, in the New Testament. And so it's impossible to truly have no creed but Christ, because if you're going to say anything, <laughs> you're getting into creedal statements. Uh, you're getting into theology of, of what the scripture teaches. Sure. Well, so, so I agree that as Christians, we're all going to see the scriptures a little bit different. We're going to understand God a little bit different. All I'm, the, the only point that I'm trying to make is we all have creeds. We all have statements that we believe regarding baptism, regarding church government, regarding other things. And the value of a confession is simply writing it down and, and trying to ground it in scripture and say, this is why we believe what we believe. So I bring this up to then highlight the topic today because this is something that the church has tried to get its brain wrapped around 
forever. And I'm not sure that we've gotten it perfect. Uh, I'm not sure that where we are today is, is the ideal, uh, but it is a way of, of trying to address the question of what is the church's relationship to the government? So let's start with our first foundational question. Is there any scriptural teaching regarding the church or the Christian's relationship to the government? Or is Scripture silent on it? Scripture's not silent on it. Sorry, you're right. <laughs> um, so, can someone read Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4? And then while you're looking at that, someone else turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Can someone else read 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14? So, there's an interesting phrase that Peter uses there. Be subject to every human institution, on what grounds? Why should I be subject to every institution? For the Lord's sake. So what is he saying there? It's that there's a... My obedience to civil magistrates, my obedience to civil institutions is conscience-bound. It's not simply something that I can take up or lay down lightly, depending on whether or not I agree with what the civil magistrate says. It is a conscience-bound issue. I am conscience-bound to be subject to the authorities that God has placed over me. Now, if America, especially modern America, 
has any creed, I think it's probably, you ain't the boss of me. Uh, that's our, seems to be our modern day creed, is I'm free, nobody can tell me what to do, you ain't the boss of me. And yet scripture gives us a different model. It says that we are to be subject to those in authority over us. And it's interesting that it doesn't really matter whether the institution is godly or the people filling that institution are godly individuals. Right. So, so the confession connects this, and and we'll see. Uh, probably won't finish this today, but we'll see later on in this chapter. It connects it to our obedience to the fifth commandment. Uh, honoring our father and mother means also honoring those that God has placed over us in that authority structure, specifically government. I think a lot of, I mean, America has a pretty robust history in protesting government. <laughs> uh, we, we've got to, I mean, all the way, all the way back to our founding. Oh, sure, they've got the sword. That's what Paul says in Romans 13. Sure. Well, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is necessarily a, a positive thing, that we have this attitude toward, this, this instant attitude of suspicion, of sort of quasi-rebellion, I'll obey a law if it makes sense to me, kind of an attitude. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that's a good thing, because the scripture clearly teaches that we're to be in submission to those in authority over us, uh, and that's the governing authority. And so that's what section one says. Uh, God, the supreme Lord and King of all the world, has ordained civil magistrates to be under him over the people for his own glory and the public good, and to this end has armed them with the power of the sword for the defense and encouragement of them that are good and for the punishment of evildoers. Now that's just stating in another word what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter uh, 2, uh, verses 13 and 14. Uh, the, the confession is simply restating what uh, what's said there. Now, because I want to cut this short, I want to immediately introduce our conflict, and that is, does that mean that we unilaterally obey whatever the governor says, the governing authority says? No, we do not. At what point are we conscience bound to not follow what the governing authority says? When they command us to disobey God's word. 
And, and this is Peter's response when he's called out by the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin says, we forbid you to preach. And Peter says, we must obey God rather than men. Uh, we, we've got to obey God, not men's rules. So when men's rules come in conflict with the word of God, then we've got a duty uh, to, to follow after God because the governing authority is under God. Uh, God is the one who has instituted human government. And, and so, you know, we, we, our own congregation has very much wrestled with this. And I think, I think a lot of folks in this room have wrestled with this, uh, particularly over the past couple of years. And, and that is, in what way does government edicts relating to worship, specifically how many people are, ga- are allowed to gather for worship, uh, what the seating arrangements are, what the, you know, and, and I've had fellow pastors that, uh, when I said, listen, this is a different arena and the government is not going to step into this arena, other pastors have said, listen, the fire marshal, uh, we, we allow the fire marshal to tell us how many people we can have in the room, to tell us that we have to have alarms and sprinklers, uh, so we allow the fire marshal to, to step in. Why is this different? And, and so I'm not saying there's a, you know, I'm going to plant my flag and say anybody that didn't take the stance we took is a coward and ungodly, uh, because different people took different stances. In our, in, in the session, our elders wrestling through this issue, it very much was trying to place these various obligations. God never gives us anything that conflicts. Uh, he never gives us conflicting commands. He doesn't say, honor your father and your mother, and then simultaneously say, dishonor your father and mother. <laughs> he, he, he gives us all of his commands are whole, and all of his commands are, are consistent. Our application of those commands uh, is going to be where we've got to apply biblically informed wisdom. Uh, and, and so for us, it was these issues together with Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. And, and so we said we believe that God's word pretty clearly says that we're to gather for worship. Uh, and so this is going to be a non-starter for us. Uh, and so, you know, some of you are here today because the churches that you were in did not take that stance, uh, and our church growth strategy was we're the only ones in town open. Uh, but the, the point that I'm getting at is that in this issue of the civil magistrate, it's not an easy on the one hand, obey everything they say, or on the other hand, I'm a Christian, I only answer to God. Uh, there, there is a biblical command to honor the governing authority, to obey the governing authority, and then to recognize that that governing authority, when it steps outside of God's ordained structures, uh, sometimes has to be disobeyed. Uh, and and we've got that example in Scripture. Obviously, Paul and Peter, both of them martyred by very ungodly rulers. Uh, 
and yet are the ones saying, pray for them, honor them, submit to them, uh, that sort of thing. So, so our confession is, is getting into these very difficult areas of, of how does the Christian, how does the church uh, relate to the government. And that first principle is that God has ordained government and we are to honor. Uh, we're to honor the king. We're to give honor uh, because it's an institution from God, not because the governor is necessarily honorable. Uh, same thing with parents. Uh, you know, you, you honor your mother and father, not because your mother and father are perfect human beings. They're not. Uh, and they will mess up and, and all sorts of stuff. But you're still to honor them because you recognize that God has established that authority structure. Uh, and so navigating between those, those two wisdom issues uh, is, is an ongoing challenge. As I said, I don't think we've gotten this perfectly today. Uh, and as we go further in this chapter, we'll see that where we are today is very different from where folks were in the 1600s. Uh, and and the relationship of the church to the government. So I want to give Sally a, a few minutes. Uh, we got about five ten minutes left before the uh, close of the of the Sunday school period. Uh, so I just want to leave you with that one foundational principle. The foundational principle is that God has established human government. God has established these authority structures, and you and I are to operate within these authority structures by giving honor and obedience to those who are over us, uh, recognizing it's not blind obedience. It is an obedience in the Lord. Uh, and hopefully we'll tease that out a bit more uh, next week and potentially the one after. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have given structures. Uh, You've given the family, you've given the church, and you've given the civil magistrate uh, for the purpose of encouraging good and restraining evil. Uh, Father, help us to be faithful in our various spheres, uh, in our areas of duty and responsibility, and particularly in regards to those that you have placed in authority over us. Uh, to give them the due honor, uh, to curb our uh, anarchist <laughs> sentiments that we often have and, and recognize that these that you have placed in authority are your servants and that we are to honor and submit to them in the Lord. Uh, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.